Professor Frank Bowden and uh, Dr. Emma Kate Potter. You're here at the March for Science at Regatta Point. A beautiful sunny day, a bit of wind to play havoc with our audio. What brings you here first, Emma Kate? Um, I am coming to speak about my experiences with science and how it's affected my life and uh, my students. I'm a teacher. Uh, What is your field? Uh, Physics. I did an undergraduate degree in physics, but really ended up working in kind of geophysics, geochemistry, climatology, glaciology, kind of physics stuff with computer programming and math. So really at the at the a combination of a lot of different things. Well, so you're a, a real <laughs> a real generalist. Now, do you get a feeling for how the public might perceive your field and how they might think that what you do and the fields that you research work in benefit them? Uh, kind of a range of reactions, some panicked looks <laughs> and um, some kind of very enthusiastic responses. I think people are, are generally very interested in, in hearing about the work that you know I've done as a researcher. Yeah. Well, what, what brings you out today then? I mean, this is a march for science. Scientists are normally a fairly quiet, retiring bunch. Uh, Frank, uh, <laughs> you, you've dragged yourself out here. It is a beautiful, sunny day. But I'm guessing that you feel strongly about this. Yeah, I do. I mean, medical practitioners don't always see themselves as scientists. I mean, sometimes we'll emphasise the art of medicine over the science of medicine. But if you think about the advances that have been made in the last hundred years of medical technology, of diagnosis and treatment, it's been underpinned by science. And the scientific method is the thing that gives us the answers to what we need. The problem is that there, and and this this is why I'm here today, is that I think that we've got a lot of people who are ignoring the scientific method, who aren't aware of one that even exists. So highly intelligent, highly motivated, caring, loving parents are now in a position where they'll say, I don't think vaccination's a good thing. Now, the overwhelming evidence is that vaccination is probably the single most cost-effective health intervention that there has ever been. And yet there's a a backlash, Emma Kate. It's about critical thinking. What's your take on that? Oh, absolutely. And I actually... My priorities in my teaching is more about the process of critical evaluation and the process of science, Frank, and uh, and the kind of the reflection process. I I kind of prioritise that more than I do the actual content of my physics course. I think it's more do, do, you, do you see that ideology has intruded? I'll start with you first, Emma Kate. Ideology has intruded now. If I don't like what a scientist is telling me, uh, I don't like the evidence, I'm just going to go with, well, free market, whatever I want to do, it's all okay. I think it is uh, something that we really need to focus on, particularly with young people, and you know that's my job, is to uh, give them the skills to... Uh, look at what's in front of them and try and figure out from what, what is what is the real news and what is the fake news. So it's the skills to identify um, whether something is based in evidence or not. Well, Emma Kate, you've just used a key phrase there: fake news, Frank. One person's evidence is another person's fake news, <laughs> and and so the crucial thing is to give people the education that allows them to think about a problem from first principles and then derive what 
is a logical answer. I, I, I was going to say, I, I studied, we, when I was at school a long time ago, we had a subject called critical thinking. But it wasn't in science. Critical thinking was in English. And we learnt to critically analyse newspaper articles and look at, a, look at a, a, you know, a social problem from, from all the different sides. So I think it's really important to realise that the vast, that, that, that mo- most people consume science. We're all consumers of scientific knowledge. We're consumers of the benefits of science. Hardly any of us will ever be creators of it. So we've got to be really careful that when we're, when we're thinking about what the, the future workforce has got to look like and what, what, what we're going to do in schools, the most important thing really is going to be educating people who will never be scientists, who will never be technologists, yeah. to get them to understand the importance of it and therefore to support social policy, to support um, governments who are sensitive to the needs of a society, which means it needs strong research and development. And it's about listening to evidence and refining our bullshit detectors. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite favourite pieces of philosophy is Aristotle, who defined the seven forms of false logic, so-called the sophistic re- refutations, and things like the false premise, have you stopped beating your mother... And and so on. Now, Emma Kate, what uh, what would you like to see happen as a result? You, now, we're here as scientists or as science enthusiasts. What would we like to see happen as a result of uh, your marching here today? For me, today is primarily about celebrating science um, to really promote its importance. And to raise awareness. I mean, that, that's what it is. I mean, to see people start to gather here today and, you know, you can feel that enthusiasm and, you know, getting the message out there, talking to you, <laughs> um, is, is, I think, you know, that what we can do as a community to, to make an impact on so we, policy. So we, yeah. we celebrate our successes. We celebra- celebrate the fact that we had breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we've also got to be a bit careful about hubris that science um, is crucial, but science gave us nuclear weapons. Science, for the first time, gave humankind the ability to, des- to destroy itself. So science without ethics, science without morality, is incredibly dangerous. And we know throughout history, and medicine's a particular example of this, where in the name of modern medicine we've thought about eugenics, we've thought about experimentation without consent. So there is an enormous responsibility of people who are involved in science to be critical of the scientific process itself. Uh, I, I, for example, am, am very critical of my own profession, uh, in the in the way that we will, for example, introduce new treatments without good evidence for their efficacy. Um, that's particularly uh, occurs in in the surgical field. But there are also drugs which are used today for which there's evidence that they have little or no benefit, and we shouldn't be using them anymore. But because there's so much um, pressure from people from industry, from uh, from from government, from all over, the, from from all sides. People are pressured to do things which might not actually be the right thing to do. And dare I say, the media as well. Now, a sharp knife, of course, can cook you a fine dinner, but it also can do great damage. And, uh, Emma Kate, would you say that what we need is a well-informed public, a public that knows when they're getting the bullshit? How do we go about telling them that? Because we, we celebrate science, we, we like the whiz-bang new feature, the, uh, the, the, the groundbreaking discovery and so on. 
and, and you're primarily interested in education. How do you how do you get people enthused, and how do you how do you fine tune that bullshit detector of theirs? Oh, two right. words or less. <laughs> <laughs> so I can wow, edit that. No. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you time to think about that. Um, well, well, do you see, yeah. what would you see in your students? you see examples of where, like in the last week, maybe one of them has said something to you and you just go, oh, no, you need to really refine your approach, how you're thinking about this. I, I mean, my students are going through, we're working on an individual investigation with them at the moment. And I, I see them at the beginning frightened of, uh, of kind of stepping outside, having just one question. What, what age group are we talking uh, we're about? We're talking about um, uh, senior high school, so year 11 and 12, so year 12s. And kind of for the first time I'm saying, go think of a question, do some work, and then think about what that means and then go back again. And I think, I, I think uh, that... They get stuck in this. Uh, they get stuck in this kind of thinking that you know you, you do an experiment to show something, and I, I think that's what we really need to, to kind of bring them out of to say, look, we're answering, we're trying to answer one question, but science. You know, my experience as a scientist is that one question, answering one question, can lead to another ten questions, and I think that's really important. I, I do like that. You're, you're sparking their curiosity, and, and a classroom is not just about an information dump session that you're going to be walking out in a moment and you've got to answer a ten-point quiz. I can remember the, the one moment that I was really enthused by mathematics, and I sort of like mathematics, but like most people, I find it difficult. And the teacher said, figure out the general equation of 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4. And I spent hours scratching my head. <laughs> no, but it, it's right. And, I mean, I, I watch my nine-year-old son and his, you know, the way he does, the way he, he, he shows me his mental arithmetic, which is not remembering the times tables for him, at, but it's about, oh, well, I know that this times this is this, and then if I add up all those bits, and, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's imagination and it's, you know, him using his own kind of uh, creativity to work out a problem to show that there really is one more than, more than one way of approaching the problem. Uh, creativity. Now, we have a third person who's uh, watching at the moment. Uh, what's your name? Dr. Wendy Elford. Oh, welcome. Welcome. And I'm from Fuzzy Logic and uh, Canberra Times. And uh, what brings you here today? Uh, basically, I'm passionate about scientists. I'm a science, scientist myself, and I come from a long line of scientists. Um, I'm also one of the neurodivergent community, so I'm, I'm really interested in the fact that a lot of scientists are very different, and we need more support, perhaps, at the beginning of our careers and even later on to be able to cut through from a communication point of view to win the support that our science deserves. Uh, different in what sort of way? Oh, I think differently. <laughs> That's how you get the, the wonderful ideas that scientists come up with. But when you think differently, quite often you don't communicate well with other people. You're often another planet. Um, and if you can't communicate your ideas, if you don't have the confidence and you're not getting the support that you need, your ideas are never going to be able to cut through and, and be there in the evidence sort of paradigm to to, to um, get the resources that we need to be able to put them in place. Well, it, it is a, a difficult thing to be the innovator, and Machiavelli has a great quote, uh, the innovator is never thanked. Now, you're here for, for the March for Science today. Uh, do you feel strongly? What would you like to see coming out of uh, your activism today? 
I'd like to see a greater recognition of the fact that the people who contribute are not necessarily the noisiest ones. Um, some of the best scientists are ones who's whose work was recognised far too late and I don't think we've actually got a lot of time now to be able to solve some very complex problems so it's really important that we pick the talent early and we nurture it and a lot of these people don't have the confidence to communicate their ideas so they get missed, put on the shelf um, often even um, even uh, counted in ways that they're never going to see the light of day and we really need to be able to work together as teams those people are often not easily team players I can feel some personal experience coming through there. I think I'd better let you go because you're about to address the uh, the march here. Thank you Frank Bowden. Thank you very much. And Emma Kate Potter. It's a pleasure, thanks. And Wendy Elford. Good on you. Thank you very much for your time today and good cause. Thank you. Good on you.